Over a hundred Chinese warplanes reportedly flew toward Taiwan over a 24-hour period. China's intimidation towards Taiwan has been ongoing for the last 20 years. We won't surrender, says one of the men. Anyone who invades will face us. The Chinese are practicing. This, this is not just a military signal to scare people. Chinese jets could cross the narrow Taiwan Strait in minutes. I don't spend too much time worrying. I spend all my time and my Marines and sailors spend all their time preparing. This is multipolarity, charting the rise of the new multipolar world order. Like two magnets stretched across the South China Sea, there is an irresistible force connecting the People's Republic of China to the Republic of China, also known as Taiwan. In the very long term, reunification seems inevitable, but when that happens, an irresistible force may meet an immovable object. America has put all its diplomatic stock into deterring a Chinese invasion, be it through its interest in Taiwanese semiconductors or a kind of wounded pride at its global leadership being so publicly and irrevocably bust, America will not let Chinese aggression stand. In some scenarios, nimble diplomacy could save face, but in others, a Chinese overstep could easily mean war. This week, on our second premium episode, we're going to be wargaming the most likely scenario for a fight for Taiwan. Not the mildest, not the most extreme, the one that makes most sense. Invasion, battle, aftermath. Are we merely back to the Stone Age? Or does our time machine land a smack bang in the Chinese century? We're going to be looking at the first hour, day, month, and year of the invasion. Starting with the first hour, it's 2029, and the US president is on everyone's TV. Okay, normal programming is interrupted in the United States for a special announcement from the president. He comes or she comes on television and shares the news that China has attacked Taiwan and has also attacked. U.S. military forces in the Western Pacific region, in uh, Okinawa, in South Korea, in the Philippines, in Midway, in Guam. And U.S. forces are currently engaging People's Liberation Army forces in the region. He calls for calm, or she calls for calm and national solidarity. and tells people to keep their radios on, their televisions on, to listen for more updates. Philip, in that first hour when news breaks, I would imagine that economically it would be almost as important as militarily because my first instinct is there would be a huge amount of panic on the stock markets. You know, there might have been some warning that this would happen, but the moment that it does happen, I suspect panic would really set in in those first hours or that first hour, what sort of steps do you think that the US leadership would make in terms of the economy and the financial leadership, the Secretary of the Treasury, the the Chairman of the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of America, and market regulators would make to try to main st- maintain stability in the face of panic? 
Yeah, so shutting the stock market is 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 pretty obvious. I mean, that's not hard to do. It's been done before. I believe the stock market was shut for a period of time, either at the start of World War One or when America entered the war. They'd probably do that kind of based on gut feeling. You might do a bank holiday. I mean, that's another kind of simple thing to do. It's a kind of time-tested one to do, you know, to, pre- to prevent any bank runs or anything like that going on. But you're kind of, the problem with this is that you're reaching back into history. You're looking at things that have been done in the past, closing the banks for a day, shutting down the stock market. These apply in 1916. These apply in 1939. They, they, it's not so clear that they apply today. I mean, you've got to remember how difficult it is to just engage in, in market action even back, even as, 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 as recently, quote unquote, as 1939. I mean, you, you can't just jam a button on your phone to buy or sell some stocks or some foreign exchange, especially. The, the whole game has changed. So, I mean, I think, yes, equity markets would shut down. Yes, it would be an obvious move to, to do a bank holiday as things kind of as things kind of panned out. But, I mean, beyond that, what could you really do? I mean, for one, global markets are completely integrated. So whereas the U.S. president with war powers definitely has jurisdiction over closing Wall Street, definitely has jurisdiction over declaring a bank holiday, I suppose in theory he could have he could have kind of said you know it's go time a few hours before to allied governments perhaps and they I guess might agree to doing this too but that doesn't mean everything closes down like it's such an integrated global system so that's that's point one and I, I'm I don't think I don't want to sound arrogant but I don't think anyone will give you a better answer than that because I don't think there really is a clear cut answer relatedly to that. What's the Treasury Secretary talking about? Well, a couple of things on that. First of all, do they currently have a plan for this at the US Treasury? Obviously, I don't know. It will be top secret. My guess is no, frankly. I say that for two reasons. First of all, because I don't really know what a plan would look like. We'll we'll go into as 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 we kind of move forward in the thought experiment of this this invasion we'll start to see some of the issues that it raises and i think what listeners will get a sense of is it's so astronomically complex that no one could possibly come up with a plan for this so i don't think the us treasury have a plan uh, maybe they do or they have a really simple plan which you know is close the equity markets close the banks maybe add a few more add a few more simple ideas in but I don't think they they'd have a coherent all-encompassing plan because again if you asked me to go you know if the US Treasury called me up tomorrow and said we're having a meeting of you know 200 economists or 50 economists or something come along to the Treasury we're going to spend a week we're going to spend a week thinking this whole thing through we'd sit there on day one and we'd be like okay so what should we do I, I don't I don't know what will come out of that I, I don't think much would come out of it um, I think it would turn into a talking shop. That's that's point one. Point two, really briefly, is actually the sanctions, the Russian sanctions, indicate to me that there wouldn't be a coherent plan. Why do I say that? Because sanctions were created for a world that didn't exist when they were applied. We've said this on the podcast many times before. That's why they didn't work. Sanctions were designed in their current form, as far as I understand it, in the 1990s, early to mid-1990s, 
when Russia was a basket case, China was a relatively small economy, etc. And only the only rich economies were the US and their allies. That's the world that the sanctions were designed for. And when Russia invaded Ukraine, they pulled those sanctions off the shelf that were designed for a completely different world, and they threw them at the problem, and they didn't work. So if that's the kind of thing they have in place for sanctions policy, then why would we assume that they have a, a better plan in place to deal with something infinitely more complex? And you may say, okay, well, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine, it was a big surprise, etc. And yeah, some of that's true, but it's not like Russia could have never, nobody could have ever envisaged Russia invading Ukraine. The conflict had been going on since 2014. There was prior to the war still, you know, conflict going on at the border in the disputed territories and so on. So so the fact that they didn't have a coherent, up-to-date sanctions policy in place for the Ukraine war says to me that this problem that's infinitely more difficult to think through, yeah, probably don't have much of a plan. So in short, what's happening? Probably piecemeal symbolic actions, close the equity market, close the banks, and then get down on your knees and pray if you're working at the US Treasury. Yeah, I mean, my initial instinct about this and i assume that several you know well, the key decision makers themselves will be going to a certain degree on instinct is that the they would rather be safe than sorry so the first thing that they would do is you know call a bank holiday prevent people from withdrawing funds from banks shut down all of the markets like every single one not just the equity but also the you know the bond market and even potentially the fx market put interest rates down to the floor, literally just hit them to zero. I think that that's what Greenspan did after the 9-11 attacks, which obviously was a far, far smaller and, and less risky event than you know China invading Taiwan and attacking US forces in the Western Pacific. I wonder though, Philip, I, I mean, obviously, you know, I think we're both in agreement that it's likely that US markets would shut, US banks would shut for a period of time and you know even after that might have limits on withdrawals what about foreign countries you, you know obviously the us and the chinese and probably the korean the japanese the taiwanese and the hong kong markets would shut but what about london what about frankfurt what about paris what about moscow would they all shut as well just you know just as the panic set in would that be something that they would do or do you think some would try to stay open in some way no, I think equity markets across the board would shut. And the reason for that is because when equity markets panic, they really panic, right? And again, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a Hail Mary pass, as the Americans say, that you'd you'd shut down the market on day one. Maybe you'd plan to leave it shut for a week or something like that, and then hope that like the situation stabilizes into kind of an war equilibrium, and then everyone's like, okay, we know the lay of the land now, reopen them and hope that things don't uh, get impacted that much. But as I said, this is a kind of a symbolic act because frankly, and again, we'll go through some of the e economic implications of this scenario as we move forward. But frankly, by the end of all this, no matter how it pans out, the level of the equity market is not going to be a key concern for investors, for consumers, for politicians or for anybody else. By the end of all this, people won't care about the equity market because, you know, the equity market crashes every 10 years. 
crashes, right? We're probably geo crash at the moment. It goes down 40, 50, 60%. Like that's the world we live in. It's not that big a deal. It's just stocks, right? So I think they would do it, but it will be like, you know, what the kids call a cope, right? You're like, you don't know what else to do. So you shut the equity market and then you go, oh, well, that'll calm people down. And maybe it will calm people down. But the equity markets are just equity markets. I mean, we're dealing, we're going to be dealing here with a highly integrated, complex global trade system that is heavy imbalances, as we'll see moving forward. And we're dealing with extremely complex foreign exchange markets for currencies that effectively determine living standards in various countries across the world and and inflation and so on. So that's the real deal. That's where it's really going to come in. It'll be it'll be eventually where central bank interest rates go to try and defend currencies and so on. It'll be where, where currency flows go. It'll be economic and trade war. And maybe you can distract people and maybe you can even distract yourself by saying, I'm in control of this. I'm going to shut down the equity markets on day one. But it'll become very, very quickly apparent that equity markets are the last consideration in 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 the sort of genie that's going to be let out of the bottle here. Yeah, I think the look the the economic side of things might be made even worse by what is likely to happen in the first hour of the military side of the conflict. The very first thing that the Chinese would be likely to do would be to attack U.S. satellites to prevent the U.S. from getting eyes on the ground for prevent them from having that all-seeing vision of the battle space. And there are two bad things about this. First of all, communications, photographic slash video, but also you know radio satellites would all go, would all be attacked. And the danger of that, even if they're only attacked in the theater or satellites that pass over the theater of conflict, it's entirely possible for instance, that that causes a a Kessler effect. What is a Kessler effect? A Kessler effect is where one satellite is attacked, destroyed, for example. It doesn't necessarily have to be attacked, but just destroyed in general. It breaks up into an orbiting debris field. That then slams into another satellite, or or, or one small part of that slams into another satellite at 32,000 miles an hour or however fast these things would orbit. Uh, That creates a a second debris field, which in turn hits more satellites and so on and so forth. There was actually a situation in, I believe, 2021, a couple of years ago, where the Russians uh, undertook an anti-satellite test Basically, they fired a uh, anti-satellite missile at an old satellite of theirs. The satellite weighed about 1,700 kilos or 1,800 kilos, I don't quite remember. But over 1,500 debris fragments, larger than 10 centimeters, i.e. which could be monitored on radar by ground-based radar, were created instantly. And in addition to that, hundreds of thousands or potentially even millions of smaller fragments were created. And the debris crowd, the debris cloud that this created actually spread from 300 kilometers in elevation to over a thousand kilometers in elevation. And people were concerned that as this thing was spreading, it was entirely possible that it could slam into a second satellite, another satellite, and so on. Anybody who's seen 
the wonderful film with Sandra Bullock and uh, George Clooney, Gravity, will know exactly what I'm talking about and exactly the, the perils of this. But it's entirely possible that if you start taking out scores of satellites, which you, you, know, you probably would have to do to break people's, to break the US surveillance and intelligence of the region, you know, you would be talking about scores of such debris fields, you know, tens of millions of fragments traveling around the world at an almighty speed, potentially slamming into other satellites, which would in turn create more. So you could have a situation where the entirety of low Earth orbit just became unusable for the foreseeable future, you know, not just today, tomorrow, but, you know, for 100 years hence until this thing broke up, fell back into the atmosphere, etc. And, you know, even if a Kessler effect, a kind of Kessler cascade effect didn't happen, Attacking these satellites would still create really significant problems across the world because, unfortunately, it wouldn't simply be restricted to military um, military satellites. Other satellites that could take photographs, other satellites that could that were radar satellites, other telecommunications satellites. All of these th- all of these things would have potential military applications. GPS would go. A lot of telecommunications would go, satellite communication, i.e. TV, would go. All of these things would be affected, and that would have further economic effects in addition to the fact that it, you know, it's entirely possible that subsea telecommunications wires would be cut and attacked as well. Not certain, but entirely possible. And all of these things are, are, are quite fundamental, fundamental to the modern economy these days. They're you know, if anybody's ever heard of um, the, the lot of worry about Carrington effect, the you know the, the 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 chance of electromagnetic radiation from the sun taking out satellites, and people are genuinely concerned that that alone could cause a collapse of the world economy. So, you know, if you have this in a wartime situation, there's no reason why it would be different, and, and as I say, it would have significant effects. So, the first response people might have to the president's announcement on television that the US and China were effectively at war and US military forces were engaging the People's Liberation Army in the Western Pacific might be not to hear it, not to be able to tune in, not to be able to see it. You know, that's not for certain, but you know, certainly there would be there would almost certainly be cyber attacks as well. So that you know there are all sorts of ways that aspects of the modern economy, like the internet, like important telecommunications, like satellite systems, all of which we rely on in ways that people perhaps don't see and realize could be taken down in those early hours, because certainly in that first hour, they would be the first things to be attacked. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to think through what would happen in the short term in the economy. We'll get into the more medium term effects. But I mean, one of the things that we've really learned from lockdown is the people can actually survive quite well without going outside very much, which is kind of creepy in a lot of ways, but um, that is the world we live in. This would be kind of that flipped on its head. It would be like we're taking away all those things that allow you to stay inside your house and not touch physical things like cash or go to physical places like shops. We're taking all that away. Now let's see how how best you fare. Now, an optimist might say, well, you'll immediately revert back to what people used to do 
prior to that tech that I even remember from my childhood and most of my teenage years. You you get money out of the bank machine or you go to the shop or whatever. But like, are the ATMs internet connected now? How much of the technology in the shops relies on internet? Like, how reliant is the monetary and retail system of our economy reliant on the internet? And I think the honest answer to that is we don't know, and we'd only find out after the fact. Minimal disruption in the first week would be a very good outcome, it seems to me, thinking it through even slightly. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, if the, if the, if the, if, if China decided to, that they were going to have to take on the US military as part of any successful invasion of Taiwan, then it seems, unquestionable that they would you know undertake cyber attacks as part of that on the US they would exploit malware that had been planted years before they would exploit zero day vulnerabilities and there could be real carnage there really could be how easy it would be to 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 fix how easy it would be if it wasn't easily fixable or quickly fixable how easy it would be to transfer back to the way things were 20 years ago, as I remember from my teenage years as well. I don't know, but certainly that would be an issue. And in, you know, in the first hours, that in itself could cause panic. It really could. You know, if people suddenly, you know, know something's wrong, their internet goes down or it's intermittent, they can't get money out of the cash machines because there's a bank holiday being called. And even if there wasn't, there are internet problems. If telecommunications stop, if they can't get their satellite TV, if they can't log on to Facebook very easily, you know, even those things might cause a little bit of panic. But then, you know, we get to the, you know, we get to the coming days and the realization of what had happened, you know, would have set in. Um, but I mean, let's progress. We, you know, we've done one hour. Let's talk about one day, Philip. Let's let's talk about what happens with the economy you know we've spoken about how the military side of things through you know early hours attacks on the satellites on telecommunications lines and cyber attacks thank you for listening to the teaser version of this premium episode the full version is over an hour and a half and if you're a premium subscriber you'll already be able to listen to it on patreon or on your private podcast rss feed if you're not you can get it by joining us on patreon Search Multipolarity and sign up for the $5 a month tier. You can cancel any time. And now, the show continues.